Well, Eon is so particular with this brand. Which is good. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they're like the one company that has not given in to fan demand when the when the when the when the fans get do this, do that. Well they get bi- mad, fans bitch that Daniel Craig was cast. And look how great he turned out to be. Yeah. They're always wrong. Like how how could you replace bros then? How could you do Daniel Craig? He's gonna suck. Why did you not have all the James Bonds come back for this movie? Why was Sean Connery not the old guy in Skyfall. Welcome to Idiot Plot, a comedic podcast critiquing, discussing, and analyzing the media industry through reviews, debates, and historical deep dives. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Idiot Plot. I'm David Yanish. Joining me today are my co-host, Alex Overdahl. Shaken, not stirred. And Justin Neitzel. Bond. James Bond. That's right. Today's episode, we're talking No Time to Die. The final Daniel Craig James Bond film finally came out after, was it 18 months of delays? It's out. We saw it. We're going to talk about it. What we liked, what we didn't like. Is this the conclusion that we all hoped it was? Was this disappointing? We'll get into that. But first, we're going to do what we always do, because there's a lot of stuff that's come out that we haven't talked about yet. So we're kind of going to do what we watched thing really quick here. Um, Alex, why don't you set us off or start us off, I should say. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you will set me off, probably. (laughs) I don't know why, (laughs) but I probably will. I I watched the 1970 film The Conformist, which, if you haven't heard of it. (laughs) Uh, Hold up. Let me go check my grandparents' basement quick. It's um, that, an Italian film. It's not a grandparents' basement film. What if my family's Italian? That it's would explain not. my love for spaghettios. <laughs> <laughs> the traditional Italian, Italian dish. Uh, but it, it's about uh, like fascist era Italy, you know, late 30s, early 40s. And hey, uh, here we go with the depressing <laughs> shit. <laughs> basically. Well, yeah. Uh, and he is basically co- contracted by the government to assassinate his former college professor because he's like speaking out against the government. But really, it's more about him as a character and kind of how he does doesn't really fit in with the society and he's got like repressed trauma and things of that sort that like go against like the fascist ideals but he in order to belong to something or like he wants to basically be you know quote normal so he just conforms to what they want and like you know in that aids like you know all these horrible things and does horrible things to kind of fit in which is you know very interesting study of like how you know how those kind of things continue and how fascism can get established and also i mean it's probably most famous for cinematography like i mean it looks amazing it all contributes to like the themes and him as a character very well made uh the the director i'm gonna butcher this but bernardo bertolucci uh also in the accent it's easier uh yeah he won he won the oscar for last emperor later on which one also won best picture so he's he's up for an oscar for this so like he had a lot of success later but this one has had a lot of influence in terms of especially cinematography uh so i thought it was i thought it was excellent it's one of those that kind of the more i think about it the more i like it and it's it's very thought-provoking and very well made if you had to rate it what would you give it 
would say right now I'm at four out of five. I feel like that could go up. Really? But th that's where I'm at for now. I mean, I, okay. I liked it a lot, and yeah, it's kind of like sticking with me. Okay. Is it on anything? Not currently. Okay. <laughs> sounds interesting. Like, those kind of stories sound are, like they do interest me. It is on Indie Flicks. The heck is that? I think that's a library one. Oh. Or can you just watch them? I, th I think I've seen this one before. I think it's a library one, but it feels like, I'm honestly surprised Criterion doesn't have it. I think someone else has it, but it's one that, like, I can easily see them doing. Yeah, I, I mean, it sounds like a Criterion film. Foreign, old, popular, but forgotten. Good cinematography. Hard, not necessarily available. Yeah, I'd recommend it if, it if it comes to, you know, something accessible. Would you say it's something anime? worth seeking out if it's not accessible? Yes. Okay. That, that is the important question with some films, right? Like, because some of the films, especially the ones we talk about, might never just come right into your, to your lap on a streaming service. Right. So, you know, rent, paid rental or at a library, something like that is something that, you know, would be definitely worth checking out there. I mean, I, mean, I love... Because that storyline of like the conforming for fascism and stuff that that can be taken and spread to so many different themes, like like to make it like universal, right? Yeah, there are, it does a lot with that, like not spoiling, but like there are some specifically like the re, the things he's running from and the things he's trying to conform to avoid are very like relevant or like universal. Mm -hmm. But even then, that whole concept you you can apply it to schoolyards, office places. Um, just doing awful stuff just to fit in. And this is right. the extreme, right? Like we've all we've all done that. This is the extreme of that. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, and it's funny how like the, the things like the reasons he's trying to, it, it does show like those normal situations like him as a kid in school and stuff. But it's like the thing he's conforming into is so extreme. It sounds really interesting. I'll forgive the depressing stuff because I know that what you've actually been watching, we'll talk about in a little bit. That is also true. <laughs> so so we we so we, we we can get to that when when we get to that. But Justin, how about you? I've finished because it just last episode aired this last weekend. The Stars series Heels, starring um, Stephen Amell and Alexander Ludwig, are the only big names that I know of. Um, but it's, I actually heard of it's 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 actually really good. It's two brothers who are basically one, uh, rivals in a wrestling league thing that um, Stephen Amell runs, and a bunch of shenanigans go down. They're trying to make their platform bigger, trying to record posts online, trying to get everybody involved, trying to get uh, the show really big, and they actually get in the uh, season finale, they get to play at a fairground, which was big for them. Um, cast is mostly people I haven't really heard of, except for Stephen Amell and Alexander Ludwig. Um, James Harrison's actually in this former Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker. He's actually really good. I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> I mean, I got really into, like, hate-watching wrestling during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually know... I know way more about wrestling than I feel like I should admit. Probably. Um, I do know... I don't know if he's a former... He, I think he came back or whatever, but CD Punk or whatever. Or CM Punk. CM Punk. He makes a couple guest appearances in a couple episodes. Um, I mean... 
as a guy who I don't big. really watch wrestling that much, I watched it out of I saw a trailer and I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. Um, and I watched it and I think the series was pretty good. Only problem I really had was it kind of seemed to like escalate really quickly. And you didn't really get a chance to breathe with some of the drama that was going on. By the next episode, there was more drama that was like I don't think they really needed to add at times. But I suggest people check it out. Get like a month for free or whatever. Signing up for stars because as of right now this hasn't been picked uh greenlit for season two and i kind of want the way the finale went i kind of want a season two so watch this <laughs> people need people need to watch it fast if, if that's to happen yeah yes, i mean i doesn't need stars yeah you, you, stars will be hard because just because no not, not many people have stars yeah oh and another thing that was really bothering is like because it's stars they have like the we need a sex scene in every episode <laughs> Was kind oh yeah, of, Stars is bad. It's like wor- worse than HBO with that, especially like Spartacus. Oh my goodness! I, I'm like I've I've watched this series. And it's like okay, I cool nudity, sex scene, whatever. Next episode, another one. It's like get to the wrestling. <laughs> well, that's the thing. There's like there's not as much wrestling or whatever as you'd think there would be. And then there's like there's at times there's like there's more sex scenes than wrestling. It's like come on guys, I came for the wrestling. It's not real wrestling. What I will say is, like, I'm interested in the show only because wrestling culture is really interesting. And it kind of tackles wrestling culture because there's also they're also dealing with like a rival because there's what they call their group is like the DWL and they're facing off against some other and they're take place in Georgia and they're also going up against ratings from a wrestling gig guy down in Jacksonville. Well, because like we we like because we all know WWE AEW is getting big but like WWE but there's tons of those small ones like this show is talking about where it's people at like high school gyms and crap yeah and they're in, and they're terrible awful we have one here in Twin Cities that airs on one on one of the stations that I, that, that I work at at like noon on Saturdays that we sometimes watch when we're bored at work mm-hmm. that is not no offense like guys you make it it's terrible <laughs> like like it's so cheesy fake like like they're not even close to hitting hitting each other but there's just something interesting about the culture about the people that do it that's kind of endearing and that's what kind of got me kind of interested in the show was watching the trailer and they were talking it was it kind of seemed to focus on the culture around the small town wrestling thing and I was like well I'll check it out yeah yeah it's an interesting interesting pick I want to see it I don't know if I ever will because of stars hopefully it goes goes to a bigger streaming service and kind of like the syndication type thing Um, because I think that would really help it too especially because you know at stars it might not get that big of an audience yeah that's what happened, like Spartacus going to Netflix. I think like that made it more popular now than it was at the time. Yeah, as far as I've seen, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of people talking about it. So, well, ho- hopefully, some this season two can happen. Um, I know the opinion, showrunner said that he's got like five seasons planned out already. So, yeah, but I feel like shows are getting canceled earlier and earlier. Yeah. So hopefully they can get to get to that. But gosh, if especially if a comedy show can get to season three, it's probably in the ninety nine percent or top one percent. At least at this point um but yeah for my pick i saw in the theater because i was bored after work one day uh venom let there be carnage (laughs) carnage the the, the sequel to the cinematic masterpiece that was venom (laughs) which which may be one of the worst superhero movies i've ever seen just really saying a lot (laughs) i i I hated the first movie the direction is horrible this one i didn't hate i didn't think it was a 
complete dumpster fire. I think there's some entertaining bits, mostly doing with Woody Harrelson's character and some of the stuff that they do with Venom, like as a character, the relationship between because because they have it where Venom and Eddie Brock are two separate characters, basically, and that leads to some pretty good character dynamics. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because you've seen this too, right, Justin? Yes. Yeah. So it, it's some good good dynamics. However, I I saw a review by a guy I like on your YouTube. Your, your, your movie sucks, and he made a point that like I, that once I saw, I couldn't get out of my head, and that is the movie. Nothing happens in it. Yeah, basically. Honestly, nothing happens in it. <laughs> Except it's really Carnage kills a bunch of guys off screen, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the plot's nothing. Carnage is cool. It needed to be rated R really bad, and it wasn't. Um, it does stuff too, like Alex G. You'd be so pissed. Because there, well, because there, there's a point in the story where Eddie and Venom get broken up for like no real reason. Ah, uh, uh, so it's the, it's the pointless misinformation plot. It's the no. pointless uh, characters fight before the final battle cliche. Uh. So they can come to, together and defeat, and defeat the villain. Which it was they like Venom gets all freaked out. It's like that is a red one. It's like well, we never learned why the red one was so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah they never explain it. I will say that Andy Circus is both was both the best and worst person to direct it. Yeah, I agree. Because the mocap work is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The visual effects are amazing. Visually, yeah. it's bland. And then you got Robert Richardson to do the cinematography, and that dude's a legend. But, I mean, to be fair, the first one was bland, too. Yeah, but this one, he's clearly lighting for the mocap. True. Which is why it looks all weird, because stylized lighting on mocap is, it, it, it is really hard. And this movie inspired me to watch another film that completely like is forgotten. How a bunch of hype about it until another movie came out and killed it. And that's Mowgli Legend of the Jungle. I've seen this too. Oh, you saw that one? Yeah, I saw it when it came to Netflix or whatever. I was curious. I really liked the first half of that movie. And then the second half has one of the worst third act comics I've, I've, I've ever seen. But yeah. that, that movie is also directed by Andy Serkis, right? Right. And it has me thinking, he's just not that good of a director. So far, yeah. Be- because the issues I have with Mowgli, I have with Venom too, which is boring lighting, um, boring camera work. The, the sets look faker than the than the fake ones in, in the Jungle Book Disney one, which I, which I actually really like. I um, did like his voice cast for his Jungle Book movie better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His voice cast. The performances are great. The mocap is beautiful. Um, But yeah, he's but the thing, he's good with actors because he is an actor and he's a very good actor. And he's, and just, he's good with mo- mocap because he's very good at getting mocap. He's just not very good at telling a story. Yeah. I love Andy Serkis, but he needs to he needs to learn some stuff if he's going to keep directing movies. Um, Again, I, this is still the most shocked. Like, I remember when he was when it was announced that he was directing this one. I was kind of like, why? <laughs> because because the mocap. Well, actually, I think Tom Hardy has a lot more of a creative presence in these movies than they'll, than, they'll, than they'll admit. Then he probably should. There's a creative presence in these movies. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I will it's s- called Corp Greed, Alex. <laughs> I will say, I, mean, I did enjoy this one slightly better than the first one, but I mean, it's basically the same movie. It is. It's, 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 here's Venom. He's a good symbiote. Oh, evil, evil symbiote, dude. He's killing people. Better stop him. 
Here's Eminem. <laughs> oh, no, Venom wants to eat people, but that's not okay. So we give him chickens, but then he bonded with two of them and doesn't want to eat them. Yeah, it's not great. But, spoiler alert, my final thoughts are spoiler alert. <laughs> the post credit scene reveals he's probably going to be in the third Spider-Man, which, which means that this movie couldn't be even more of a clusterfuck. You were wrong. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know what they're doing. I just laughed. I just started laughing. That's kind of what I did. It's kind of like that hysterical laugh where you're just like, what the hell? Because like, I, like, I don't even know what, what the, what's going on anymore. Like, they, I don't think they don't they know what's going on anymore. Nope. <laughs> but Sony is trying to make this big, and, and it made a crap ton of money so far, at least by COVID standards. I, I think it's the highest grossing domestic for COVID right now. I think so. Just hysterical. <laughs> and painful. But, I like yeah. said domestic for sure. It's like killing that. But. But worldwide, the big hit is our feature presentation. And that's uh, No Time to Die. Breath the title for a second. <laughs> but it's out. We saw it. Finally. 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 I can't believe I actually saw this fucking movie. I've been waiting since 2019 to see this movie. <laughs> actually real. I think it was, was it 2019? Was that when the first trailer dropped? Because like, I, like, I was excited as soon as the first trailer dropped. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it dropped. Was there a trailer? I don't know. I know that was like supposed to be the original release date. That might have also been when there was a trailer. It's been so long. Yeah. Like, I remember I like, it was supposed the to come out in like 2019. Trailer dropped like just before the pandemic or something. So yeah, it was like, the, the song came out. The, song, the Billie Eilish song came out in 2019 as well. Which I gotta say, not the best Bond song. Wait, I, thought, I really liked out, it. It was supposed to come out in April of 2020. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was also supposed to come out before that. Like, like, like right as COVID hit is when it was supposed to come out. And they, I think it might have been like the first big push back yeah yeah and, and they got pushed back again and again and again <laughs> it's finally again. here yeah and well i think they reached a point where they're like fuck it this has to come out i think especially with the with the mgm amazon deal happening i think it needed to, to, to come out yeah yeah and it's pretty successful but the question, the million dollar question, was it worth the wait? Who goes first? I think so. I, I mean, we, we can go around. I mean, I think it was. I think so. It was a lot better than uh, Spectre and uh, Quantum of Solace. I put this as the third best Craig movie. That's it for me. I'm still, I'm, we'll probably get into this, but I'm a, I'm a big Quantum of Solace defender. I actually really like that movie. Uh, um, I'd have to rewatch it. Honestly, the first time I watched it, I was so bored. <laughs> yes, yeah, that happened to me, and then I watched it again. I'm like, wow, I actually really like this. Having seen Quantum Solace like way after it came out, um, I enjoyed it. Not a lot, but I enjoyed it. But I understand why why people who because you have to because I think people that didn't like it were still coming off the, the Brazen movies a little bit. That and also coming off the high of freaking Casino Royale. Yeah, which like, might be the best. Bond one. was changing. Craig is not like traditional Bond. Nope. And that's so why like, there, there are elements of Casino. I mean, I Casino. There are elements of Quantum that like I'm not gonna say feel like traditional Bond or Brazen Bond, but like they've done stuff like that before, like the Dalton movies. And stuff, but there are also some people a little torn on those as well. Mm-hmm. Also, Quantum's only like ninety minutes. Yeah, that's honestly may, maybe like it feels concise, but like it feels like there it was feels room so for, much it's longer. Certainly better than Spectre. Yeah, and it does feel longer than it is, and it's like there was room for for more because I mean Spectre certainly feels more threatening in that movie than it does in Spectre. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely have to check out Quantum Solace again. But I would also rank it probably third in my Craig Bond movies, but not that's not because I think the other ones were 
that bad? No, the other two are just that good. Yeah. Right, yeah. For, for me, it's like, yeah, I would also put this third. I'm, it's certainly worth the way I was really happy. But it is like just the strength. I mean, Casino and Skyfall are like top five, top three Bond movies, right? So right. like, you know, I mean, they're just so good that it's like, I can't I can't put it over either of those two, but it's like... They're hard to top. It's a damn movie. It's one, you know, it's in that upper ranking of like the really, really good Bond films. Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed it. I was stunned by some scenes. Um, the, 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 the plot for that they don't know. Bond is retired. Obviously, doesn't stay retired. His <laughs> his wife or girlfriend, not quite sure what they are at the end of at the beginning, at the beginning of the movie. Didn't they, didn't they get married at the end of Spectre? I didn't. I, so they drive off together, but they did not get married, and I don't think. Okay, because I can't I remember. Think they're married. Started this again. I probably should have rewatched them. <laughs> They're, they're together, but Bond thinks that she betrays him and is actually working with Spectre and leaves her and disappears where he is got out of retirement by Felix, played by Jeffrey Wright from the other movies, to kind of go on this big final mission. And then he kind of meets up with old friends, old foes. Uh, so this is how you do a mis- misinformation-based plot, people. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Because basically, I, I mean, there's a point in time where Bond's fighting MI6, he joins MI6, Six. It's like an ultimate Bond movie. It has all the characters. It has um, all of the plot stuff that you would expect from 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 a Bond film. It has all the stunts you you, you expect from, from from a Bond film. It has car chases. Finally, bringing back chases. the gadgets. Yep, gadgets. Yeah. So practically, it checks off all the boxes, which I think was it was a big complaint. A lot of the Craig movies have gotten from like traditional Bond people. At least some of them have, which is they don't check all of the Bond boxes. Yeah, yeah, because they did away with the gadgets which you know fine by me because they checked the other boxes but that's a, the gadgets people have talked about or like the uh you know it's a they were more grounded rather than kind of having that scale scale of the villain plan kind of thing yeah because yeah, daniel craig's bond was in a lot of ways a man who was kind of ground down into a killing machine by the system kind of regaining his humanity yeah which is a and super ground too by the events of casino yeah which we, we, we permeate through the entire series yeah Craig films now I'm not a Bond expert was was were the, were the Craig movies were they the first ones to do like an overarching story over all of the films of a particular Bond so yes yeah. Yes, but that doesn't. There was some continuity, so yeah. I guess for for context, yeah. I I mean, I'd seen like the vast majority of them before, but leading up to this, I watched all of them. So I've seen ones I hadn't seen before, and then rewatched others. So like these are all like fresh. All what is it? This was twenty five, right? Yeah, yeah. This was the twenty fifth. So yeah, all of them. <laughs> I remember so, some would was, reference other movies, but there was no like direct tie in with actors and stuff. I thought I remembered. Right. Yeah. So this is the first one to do a plot that connects all the movies like directly but like the original ones up until the Craig ones were technically all in the same continuity you just didn't know what like what order when they certain went. things happened or like right the only thing that was for sure which ties into this movie heavily is on her majesty's secret service all of the ones after that definitely took place after that because there are like probably five or six films that reference that film okay because that's the one where bond gets married which also gets referenced or like not reference because it's different continuity but like reference in terms of like callbacks to that movie in this movie mm-hmm. now the question I have after this is did that shared story actually work I mean after Spectre I think we all thought no mm. yes and no. no I think 
at times the where they keep bringing back Eva Green's character kind of gets repetitive at times. But No Time to Die, I think, kind of redeems that story, though, because he, because he puts the cap on the Eva Green plot. Yes. Finally. And it actually ties off Spectre. Somehow, by some miracle. Honestly, yeah, like, that was literally, I mean, I kept talking about that leading up to this one, that, like, they're never going to do this continuity again because Spectre completely bungled it. But this one, like, somehow salvages all of the pieces from that while still standing on its own. So, like, I think it worked. And I think it's this is a great sign-off. They should never do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should never fucking do it again. But it worked, and this is, like, its own closed run that people can watch start to finish to be happy with. I was going to say, I wonder if when you go back and watch all the Craig movies, will people have a better reaction to Spectre than what we did initially? I think yes. I, I think so, too. Like, having... I just... I, I actually watched it the day before I saw No Time to Die. That's when I rewatched Spectre and, like, there are multiple things that work with I mean, I think the best part of Spectre, besides the opening scene, which is great, <laughs> like, was the the plot with Madeline, and I think that's now stronger, much stronger after this one. But some of those other side pieces, like the MI6 stuff, I think work a little better after the next movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I saw Spectre with, with you, Justin. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember when it ended, everyone we, we went with was like, well, that was kind of fucking pointless. Like, like that didn't, because correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Spectre supposed to be like originally, wasn't that the final Craig film? Yes. I thought that at the end, rewatching it, like, imagine if this was his last movie. I was like, <laughs> wow, this could, just, like, imagine it a bad like, taste in your mouth. Filming this. Yeah, imagine filming this and, like, having that last scene and being like, this is the end of his run and thinking that's, like, worth it. <laughs> It's just, it's so underwhelming. Well, it also kind of goes It begins and ends with two helicopters, like the same helicopter stunt. Yeah, and the first one is just way more impressive. (laughs) Well, and the other problem is it kind of goes against... Bond's character where everything kind of works out in the end. Yeah, and that, this really nailed the bittersweet thing that's kind of been there from the start. Like, it doesn't work out perfectly, but, you know, he gets I the feel, job done. I feel like Sam Mendes didn't want to make Spectre, but Carrie Fukunaga really wanted to make the time to die. Yeah. Definitely. There's a, so much more energy with this, because, yeah, Skyfall had that energy, but, like, he wasn't suited for the scale needed for Spectre and also didn't want to be there. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> like I think what's well, funny like seeing interviews and stuff because we talked about how good the open is I think Skyfall he's talked about you know how important Bond openings are and how they need to be big which isn't necessarily true and then he w- tried so hard to one-up an inspector he forgot about the rest of the fucking movie because yeah. <laughs> it's like and one of the best Bond openings ever is Casino which is literally just him shooting two guys <laughs> yeah well that's the well, problem like the Spectre opening is great the rest of the movie after that is kind of like you see you're going down the slope and you never go back up. Yeah. It's, it's pretty underwhelming. But the time to die's opening is like half an hour. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so awesome. Because it's really the first act. Because And that's happened before. There there are some, some Bond movies where like the credit, it takes longer to get to the credits. But like uh, Goldeneye. Goldeneye has that long opening. And this one ha- is like actually just the entire first act. Yeah, no, I know. I remember that. I remember being in the theater. I'm like, man, like we haven't even got to the Bond song yet. I'm like, God damn, this is really good. 
I didn't care because I was I was I was enthralled. I remember seeing it because I didn't see any reviews or anything before I saw No Time to Die. I went in there completely fresh. I didn't want to have with any preconceived notion. And I started going. I'm like, yep, I like this. This is what we needed. This is exactly what I wanted. Bond's back. I mean, Daniel Craig is just so fucking cool. He's just such a cool dude. Yeah, this one, like performance-wise, might have been like his best turn in the role. Like, and you could tell, like we talked about with Fukunaga, Craig wanted to make this movie. Yes. Even seeing interviews after this, like, I don't think I've ever seen him as excited or, like, as, like, looking back fondly on the role as he did after this movie. I don't think he wanted to make Spectre either. Oh, no. (laughs) But this has so much energy to it, so much life to it. Everyone's having a good time making this movie. Especially, like, like, the stunts are awesome. Like, him him and the Aston Martin just spinning around as the Gatling gun goes and shit. Like, that's the shit we want to see in a Bond movie. Well, that that was what's was so disappointing about Spectre is yes, they've kind of toned down the gadgets with the Craig movies, but then he steals the Bond that Bond car, the Aston Martin and Spectre, and then none of the gadgets are in the car, and he didn't get to use any of them. Yeah, because they even used it in, in Skyfall. Even they have the guns in the car. Yeah, and then they finally get to this one, and it's like, yes, we have to see smokescreen, uh, throwing those things that blow out tires. It's like, yes, this is what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah the stunts were excellent too. Oh, this. The stunt direction was fantastic. Has Kerry Fukunaga done like a big action movie yet? This is first. No, I don't think so. Because I mean, yeah, he showed his his chops with like the some like action scenes, like in True Detective. There's the big long take, and at Beast of No Nation, there's also like a really long take that's like a, a fight in a in a village. But like he he hasn't done something of this scale before. And like all the action scenes are good. Well, I was also gonna say like the action scenes are shot beautifully you can actually kind of tell what's going on and they're not cut to hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can tell it's like, it's real stunt work. There's a lot of real practical stuff and it's like, it's so varied. Like you have the open that's in this like really congested city and you've got the vehicle work. You've got him jumping off the bridge and the motorcycle. Then you've got, honestly, maybe my favorite one, which is um, at the Spectre meeting. Oh yeah. And yeah. like that whole shootout and he's trying, there, you know, him, that- uh, he's trying to grab the agent and get him and Instead of MI6, Anna Darmus is doing is shooting people. It's really fun. That is the, the moment. The you whole can, Cuba sequence is amazing. That's the moment yeah. you can tell where everyone's having fun, especially when he pulls out the alcohol and pours him and Anna Darmus is <laughs> a drink. And they're like, like honestly, like that's like I instantly thought like this is the you know this is something I see Roger Moore doing right. Like this feels so Bond. Mm-hmm. Like it's and the casting of Anna on, on, on Darmus like perfect too. Like like she. She is phenomenal in the movie. She's barely in. I was gonna say you want more of her in this film. I'm yeah. gonna say she didn't do anything. It's pointless. It's like no, like she serves a purpose to kind of show like the next generation of, of agents and stuff. And and part of it is her and Daniel Craig just have so much fantastic chemistry together. We saw it in Knives Out. Yeah, well, we're it, seeing it here. It's better than the spy guy from hanging out with Felix. <laughs> Book of Mormon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Billy. I do like Billy Magnuson. I do like him as an actor. It was funny. I was obviously like, obviously he's a bad guy. It was. That, fu- that's not. That's well, not even what- yeah, even even you know even Bond knows like it, you know what I mean. Like he's kind of like fishy. That was funny. I was like he looked. I'm like he looked familiar. I'm like where do I know him from? And I looked him up, and I was like, oh, he's from Game Night. <laughs> 
I do like to point out, like, this it was just kind of funny having seen the other Craig one so recently, and, like, it didn't bother me, and his character in this was still good. I'm like, I love how in this movie, Felix is just randomly a completely different person. Like, his personality and how he talks is completely different. Yeah. He goes from, like, hey, you're James Bond? I'm CIA. From, like, yeah, how's it going, man? I'm like, okay, Felix. Five years passed. Shit happened to him. I was gonna say, to be fair, I mean, years have passed since he last saw him. He's probably like, I'm top brass now, and I'm gonna retire soon. It is really funny. I'm like, wow, he completely changed how he plays his character for this movie. But like, spoiler alert, as you probably already favorite high spoilers, his death though is like, oh, yeah, I was sad. I, I, I could like feel it when he was gonna die in this movie, but I, did, I was still sad. I did love it like when he's explaining his backstory. Bond's like, you're just a fisher guy from Milwaukee. It's like, oh, I thought I made that up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly, clearly, it's like everyone's having having the fun one last ride because because we got Felix. His death is again awesome action sequence. The hand to hand fighting in this movie is amazing. Yeah, ac- excellent work. And again, you can you can tell it's real. It's very well coordinated, and th- yeah, that allows you to keep the shots longer. And like you said, Justin, like actually see what's happening. Like you actually tell what's happening and just like watch it happen. You're aware of your surroundings. You see, like, oh yeah, I remember them walking by in that area. It's like it's not cut to hell and you're like which way is up I think too like one of the things I I appreciated most too you said like that everybody's having one last fun ride see I feel like we don't get that very much because it's always oh this person isn't really dead or oh we're setting up the next movie like you actually get that sense of closure and like that it is like the last ride with this group I felt the same way after No Time to Die ended as I did after Avengers Endgame where I was like whoo I'm satisfied yeah that was that was was a good end obviously Obviously, Avengers ain't fucking any any anytime soon. <laughs> Even and though I'm done with, done with it, but Bond, it was like, yep, that was a good cap off. This iteration's done on the next one. Right now they'll right they'll kind of regroup things because I was wondering too going in like, are they going to keep the Craig continuity? We got that answer. <laughs> and it was again like I, I've been like conditioned with the blockbusters now and like with the the Marvel stuff, the MCU stuff. It's like you know they can't really kill him, right? But they can. <laughs> They can, and they did, and it's like it's so satisfying to be like, oh, they actually just ended this. I feel like Daniel Craig was like, "Fucking kill me, so people will stop asking me to do Bond. End that now. I'm not doing more Bond. Fucking kill me, so that way I can say, boom, I'm done. There, well, <laughs> leave me alone. Wasn't he? Isn't he like the oldest person to play Bond, or close to the oldest? I think Roger Moore ended older. He certainly looked older when he was done. <laughs> Or, or maybe Connery. Is Connery was, was pretty old when he, we did that random weird Thunderball remake. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that that's not like it wasn't done by Eon. It was like a another company. So it's like technically not in like the line of them. So do not count it then. Right. Yeah. That doesn't count. <laughs> How about the original Casino Royale? It also does not count. With uh, uh, what's his face in it? Isn't, isn't Woody Peter Allen James Bond? Yes. No, he's like the villain, I think. They all play James Bond. Oh. Yeah, literally the entire cast. It's like everyone's James Bond at the end. God. I'm Spartacus. I can hear Alex is getting upset. <laughs> like, why did they do this? That's, I mean, I guess it worked out because, you know, when they got the rights to Casino was when they did Craig and did the, and it was in need of like a, a reboot because uh, all oh, the end of the bras didn't run. <laughs> but the, re- the, re- the reboot worked. It was good to see also some of the supporting cast one last time. Yeah. Like seeing Ben Wishaw's Q, who's a great Q. Naomi Harris as Money Penny. See, that's what kind of sucks is they 
they those two came into the franchise so late. It's like you didn't get a lot of time with them. I I could honestly see like they did with Judy Dench, bring them, them over, them. right? But just like completely new continuity, but you keep the same cue and the same money penny because honestly they were really good in those roles, and I would like them to stay. Honestly, hey. Ray Fiennes' M was so bland that you can replace him. <laughs> ben, yeah, Ben Whishaw has said he is done. Oh, oh fuck, that sucks. He's well, he said his contract was for three films. He's done three films. He's moving on. I'm sure if Eon gave him a bunch of money, he'd probably come back. Yeah. But but at the same time, this is such a perfect cap off. Right. That's a, that's the downside. I was just thinking that too about like how good of a cap off it is. It's like, are any would any of the actors want to do a new continuity because it ended so well and they all had such a good time? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I and my guess is that Eon probably wants to do something. I wouldn't say radically different. My guess is mo- the whole cast will probably be recasted. Yeah, I think I think this film too kind of shows like the blueprint for where to go next because it mixes the old and the new, right? It was a little more serious because of the Craig stuff, but, but it also, also had gadgets and was fun. Right, it kind of combined that with like the the older, you know, Connery, Roger Moore, like that kind of stuff, and while still staying true to the Craig ones. And I think that balance is kind of where it needs to go. Let's get Christopher Nolan to direct one. Let's do it. Come on. <laughs> I, I think they've been trying in this movie. He doesn't want to. I thought no, he, he wanted I, to. I think he does. I think it's the opposite. He does. They just haven't asked him. Well, Eon is so particular with this brand, which is good. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they're like the one company that has not given in to fan demand when the when the when the when the fans get do this, do that. Well, they bi- get mad, don't. fans bitched that Daniel Craig was cast. Look how great he turned out to be. Yeah, they're always wrong. Like how how could you? place bros then how could you do daniel craig he's gonna suck why did you not have all the james bonds come back for this movie why was sean connery not the old guy in skyfall <laughs> i think he was supposed to be but he, he said yeah no. they said he was too distracted no they said they thought about it but said it would have been too distracting which it is would have yeah it, it, it's true because everyone went but old bond imagine that marketing oh they're all in the same universe fan theory old, old bond new bond teaming up for one final mission uh, but yeah, that's the kind of thing they haven't done with this brand. Even when like the times it got weaker, like Moonraker or um, you know the the last two Brosnan ones, you know they always kind of have the counter for like, okay, we're gonna do this now. Well, I think you kind of saw them going towards. Well, I think it's a happy medium towards what mm-hmm. people want, and that is Lashana Lynch's character, where yeah, like having a they, where we have a black female double O. Mm-hmm. She's not James Bond. See, that's. The- the type of thing I don't I didn't mind that she was a double O. Although I did get irritated with the it's just a number thing. It's like then just drop it. Who cares? Yeah, they did bring that up a few times. I was honestly surprised how much I liked her character. I think that dynamic well, worked really well. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that dynamic. She kind of stole the show in the scene she was in. Yeah, like they're like many rivalry. It does remind me like kind of like with female agent that Bond is kind of like competing against like Spy Who Loved Me. Like the the main female character in that movie is a Russian spy. Yeah, and they're like competing. Like in this, they're competing to get the same assets. They're like competing to to go after the same stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, what and sucked she was this fun, go ahead and she brings this fun energy to it and that's like the thing is like the movie is just so much fun yeah what sucks is all the freaking um, press about her character prior to the movie it's like none of that even happened in this movie 
<laughs> yeah, and people were still complaining yeah. about it. Like, I, I literally heard to it, like, someone, like, a couple seats away from me was, like, complaining about that already. It's like, dude, you haven't even seen the movie. You're here to see the movie. You haven't even seen it yet. You don't know what happens. It was a friendly, <laughs> I liked it. It was a friendly back and forth. She'd get up, she, he'd, she'd get a good line in, he'd get a good line in. It was even, it was fun. And then she, she became a very good character. And yeah. they came up at, at the end, but it didn't feel, like, eye-rolly. No. It was like, oh, yeah, that felt very natural. Even, like, her giving him double seven again like didn't feel like eye rolly because he earned her respect yeah it felt organic it felt natural um let, let's talk about the villains quick because you've been talking for for a while so and we, and, we, and we haven't even brought up which i think is how big this movie is right we've been talking for a long time and we haven't even brought up the yeah. actual like a lot of the movies well it also kind of shows how kind of bland rami Malek's character villain could be because he's not in it a lot no he's he's really not which i would say which i mean skyfall kind of did that right and yeah like works. very effectively where he like shows up halfway through yeah and then is this, there the entire time well it's what's interesting with this movie is it is what it tries to do and doesn't pull off perfectly is because marketing's weird where you have like the first half of the movie Blofeld's the villain again mm-hmm. and then the back half of the movie is they finally kind of introduce and bring Rami Malek's character um, Lucifer Safin wherever the heck he's supposed to be they they, they bring him into in, in, into the limelight and that to me the weakest part of this movie is is the villain stuff not that yeah. not that Rami Malek w- w- was bad far from it no. He was really good. Yeah, I think he was very good, and the character would like was interesting. I don't think it was because, and again, it is. I think a product of picking up the pieces from Spectre and sending off and trying to make so much work that the villain himself is not fully fleshed out. Which at times, you know, is one of the few things that I would say was a weaker point is that because he had that personal connection that could have been fleshed out more. Yeah, and I thought I we saw, were going to get that, but we just and actually never did. <laughs> I saw the movie a week ago, and I still can't tell you what this dude's plan was. Like, I know he was infected. He wanted like this virus to spread, but like we didn't really they they missed the chance to connect like the fact that his family got killed by Blofeld and uh through a that virus he, kind of thing right and that he saved Madeline to connect that to what his plot is and it's it could be something so small but just to get that moment where he says it yes villain explaining his plot that's fine <laughs> it's a Bond movie we expect that well so I guess for people that haven't seen the movie the main the main plot involves around this this virus that can basically be engineered so that it only attacks specific genes. So, so it can hit, hit a target. It's developed by M. 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 hired it, which is which is the big point of the movie. Is that MI6 funds this virus that, of course, gets into to, to the wrong hands, and Randy Mount does something to it that I'm not entirely sure what. <laughs> um, but yeah, there there is a bad virus. I did leave the movie thinking if that has something to do with why it was delayed for so long. <laughs> I don't think so, because I remember, well, Kira's taking the director's word for it, but it was locked up before it was released, and he said he wasn't going to touch it, so. No, 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 but but, but I mean, like, the, a movie about an evil virus. Well, I know, that's, I mean, just. a pandemic. That might not be, for marketing purposes, the most tasteful thing. True, but that virus is different. It only attacks certain people that they want to kill. <laughs> 
Which is an interesting, like, from what they do with MI6, right? As a weapon, weaponized virus. Cool plot point. Yeah. yeah. But make sense, please. Yeah, and it also gets lost a little bit in, like, how they, you know, Blofeld has some stuff early on and they wanted to finish him off, which, like, he was a little more interesting. I still think they botched Blofeld. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I've, like, rewatching, I've never liked Blofeld. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe it's, like, all the parody since then, but, like, honestly, Blofeld got overused in the old ones to a certain point. And then, like, now you kind of get that vibe here. But I actually think in, in this one, it really worked. Like, how that Safin having the vendetta against him for a specific reason and him kind of still having influence from prison was interesting. Well, it was also very interesting that Safin knew the the scientists who developed the thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, Safin has been, like, in the story the entire time. He's, he's sort of, like, you know, you know, the man behind. But we're not going to explain how he got to have his own island and his own, like, call and his own. In an, in an undisclosed location. I, th- I think Which, they did explain it. I think it was because his family was Spectre, I believe. So, And I think his dad owned the island or whatever. No, his family wasn't Spectre. They were killed by Spectre. Right. Oh, right, 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 right. I think they were Spectre and were killed by Spectre. I don't know. Like, that's the part I was talking about. <laughs> right. Sorry. Like, I, was thinking, I, st- I was thinking of Madeline's backstory, cause, but that was her dad that was part of Spectre. Yeah, he, and you know, he might have been a I part of a, another criminal cl- criminal organization so they got money to blow that's the, that's the part that got confusing to me it's like who is this guy <laughs> I say it was almost waiting I, I'm glad they didn't do it because like the reveal of Blofeld's real name was so cringy inspector well, but you... like I kept having that vibe where, like are they about to say he's like Dr. Noah's kid because like <laughs> I, I, could totally I think see he definitely was because he was wearing a no mask a Japanese no mask and someone called him doctor at one point well I also thought yeah. that during the Madeline flashback when she's like he's when she's like oh he's a doctor her her mom's like no he kills people Yeah, so I think, yeah, there's definitely, like, hints that you could say, is Rami Malek Dr. No, was his dad Dr. No, that kind of thing. Like, I'm glad it wasn't explicit, but, yeah. like, I kept getting that vibe, too, especially, yeah, how that layer looks is, like, looks a lot like the one from Dr. No. I was gonna say, it was very Dr. No-ish. It was a cool layer. But, like you said, it was it was nicely done on, like, the previous film where he's like, I'm Blofeld. It's like, no shit. Yeah. My like, name oh, really? isn't Chuck Johnson. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's Blofeld. Yeah, no, we got that. And we knew when you were like, casted. You could even have him keep his old name, and he's still like we still know who that is. Like we saw that you even had the fucking cat. We know who that is. <laughs> and like they make him get the scar over his eye or whatever. And it's like I mean, only one of the Blofelds had that, but okay, you can force that in too. <laughs> There's been like six Blofelds. That's the other thing. There's been like six dudes playing this character, and he looks different every time. And he's never that interesting. Well, because he's like. We, 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 when you think of like the cheesy James Bond films that Austin Powers made fun of with a with the evil mad scientist gonna, who's going to put a laser on the moon or some shit. Yeah, that's Blofeld. <laughs> yeah, 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 you, you think of Blofeld. I think really the only one he was, I would say, effective, like I liked it because he wasn't just trying to destroy the world, was on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which again has direct ties to this. And that that's one where he takes direct revenge against Bond because he's pissed that he messed up his plan. So he has his wife killed. Um, The other issue I have with this movie that I thought was kind of an eyebrow moment was his 
his kid. I, I knew that was I knew that kid was coming the moment he left her at the on the train because her hand automatically went to her stomach when she was like gasping that he left or whatever. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Oh, I noticed it right away. I was like, <laughs> something tells me there's a kid coming later. Lo and behold, there he was. There she was. Not your kid. We know that's his kid. <laughs> it's not, not yours. Dumb. Yeah, it is. <laughs> why, are you, why are you even telling him that's not his where, kid? Where, where Maury at? Some stupid scene later where it's like, she's yours. And then he, and then he, 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 and then he starts crying. Well, that was the but thing. Then, it's like, I, what'd you do? Bang the next guy you met off the train. And that was the guy that was the per, the kid's father. <laughs> Cause it's like the kid lines up with how long you guys have been separated. <laughs> the timeline be like, Hmm. <laughs> I will say I do like how they use the, the kid because the one thing that the Daniel Craig movies have done perfectly is make Bond stories personal. Yes. And with this movie especially, Bond doesn't sacrifice his life to save the world. He sacrifices his life to protect his family. Yeah, because he can't, he, you know, with the, being injected with the virus, he can't see them again anyway. Yeah. See, see that was where <laughs> I was kind of surprised that they actually off Bond because usually I was like, yeah, oh, I, love- I was going to say, oh, he's just going to survive, but he's never going to be able to see them ever again which would also be really sad i was like when yeah, he ejected also, him i'm like oh shit i'm actually surprised they did this like yeah that's really that's really fucking sad but again i think part of, part of the was, was right you know craig going put me down <laughs> I, I don't, don't want, want to do anymore i want I to like the, the, go ahead. uh the, the daughter aspect like worked well because like i i was waiting for like all those cheesy moments that all the movies that have that element do and they kind of avoided that and also there wasn't like a oh now she's gonna join MI6 and take off the mantle, which again, I'm just conditioned by like MCU shit that that's just gonna happen. <laughs> that, it's that's like, the last scene of the movie, right? Yep. I was she, she's an adult. She, she's an adult, and Odely M goes, Welcome to the squad. Double. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> and hands the gun. And then, and then she does the pose, right? She does the turn. If that if that happened, I would say this is the worst Bond movie ever made. <laughs> Just for this that scene Kevin alone. Feige, Kevin James Bond. That's, that's the thing, right? Though, is like the broccoli and Eon. They know that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> they they know that shit, and they know that nobody wants to see that. And like, I'm a little worried with the like the Amazon thing. The question will be, does that happen eventually? But as far as like the current leadership and Eon right now, won't let that happen in the future who knows but right now well, they still have the understanding of, of the franchise but that's the thing MGM doesn't own the rights the broccolis own the rights right if MGM pisses them off they can say F you bye bye yeah all they all, all they lose is the movies they already made I think if they do that but but I don't think they actually lose Bond as a character no okay, yeah they still have controversy because weren't they talking about leaving MGM like after Skyfall yeah they were talking about going to, to Sony exclusively because I know Sony helped. Sony, I believe, uh, did distribution for Skyfall. Yeah, Sony's Sony talking Sony's, about leaving MGM for Sony. Something. And MGM was like, no. <laughs> if you leave, we are done. You're our bread and butter. You can't leave. Steve Martin turned down Pink Panther 3. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvester Stallone can't write Rocky 8. <laughs> um, so so I, I think Amazon will do their best to, to, 
to, to, to keep Eon happy. And I do think part of that is that this fad of like changing stuff, right, of taking franchises and changing them up to make them newer, modern, is a very American thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're not doing that in Britain. Well, it's also why this series has never done well over here in the U.S. It's very much, it blows up in England and everything, but over here, you get a couple that are blow up, but not many. Yeah, yeah that was- like, it makes good money here, but not like, I mean, not Venom 2 money, am I right? <laughs> That's the well, thing. So, lot, but- which is sad. Yeah, I know. A lot of people are saying that because of this movie that Bond is dead. I see, I saw, I saw, I saw people going, Bond is dead. It's not doing good. It only made, what, $56 million in the U.S. opening weekend? But Alex, you, you were telling me that that's actually comparable to the other Craig movies. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's above, it's above the, the opening for Casino and Quantum. It's, uh, I think Skyfall was 70 and Spectre was over 80, although Spectre... And, and also, it's like one of those series that consistently has, like, legs, so it'll do very well in its subsequent weeks, especially its skewers older, so, like, people will be like, eh, I don't want to see it the first weekend. They'll see the second or third, but either way, it's it's comparable to the other ones domestically. Yeah, and as long as it's good, it'll it'll carry uh, it'll have legs for a while yeah people are saying it's dead but it's made 300 million dollars so far which right yeah that's, broken the, even. The, that's the funny thing too like comparing it to like venom is the big domestic one and stuff but people who say it's not doing well aren't paying attention because it's like you know it's like doubled venom's total gross like it's making it's gonna make significantly more money than venom in total it's just domestically venom is higher because i don't know the u.s is we're stupid i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand, but yeah, it's you know worldwide, and it's not it's not in, it doesn't have the China market either, and it's still making buckets of money. It's going to be the number one movie in the UK for a long, you know, so it's it's still going to make a lot of money. That's it. That's an interesting thing. I I'd like to know why it doesn't work over here as well. And that's an interesting question that probably requires lots of research to answer. Yeah. Um, it's it's interest it's an interesting thing to bring up, right? Because everyone talks about how big Bond is, but you're right, people don't see them. But I think I do agree with Alex's point. I don't think people see Bond necessarily opening weekend. That could be a thing which too. Is, which is, which is kind of a strange thing, right? Because you think, especially now, everyone wants to go see a movie the exact moment they can because they don't want spoilers. Yeah. Well, I think too because it's not like a part a part of the giant cinematic universes where you know on Monday everything will be spoiled because it also connects to the eight TV shows you're watching the next week and they'll have already have episodes that tie into them. You know, there's like that rush where they're so heavily weighed in that first weekend, especially domestically. That is true. I'm not seeing articles. Yeah, you don't uh, see much about, about the significance that. of doo-doo and, <laughs> and what doo-doo means for the future of the Bond movies. Yeah. You know, like That has, might have something to do with it too. It's not as like, oh, we gotta know what's gonna happen. Everyone kind of knows this is the last Daniel Craig and there'll be another Bond after him. And and you know, in the past too, it was like it literally doesn't connect to anything else. It's a standalone movie, so that was even more prevalent. Like, oh, it doesn't connect to anything. I can see it whenever. Well, and I mean this in the most respectful way possible. It doesn't appeal to the plebs. <laughs> of like the American, right? American army tastes are very defined. 
and like you you can act like they're not they are we like cj garbage that's not very dark that's kind of like wholesome that's part of a bigger franchise with with, with big action scenes that we think are epic that gives we, me big sad <laughs> i was just thinking the same thing <laughs> we we like franchises we like big we like big we like loud he's got to be holding a gun yeah, smoking a cigar while having a hot honey on his side like like we, we like big loud popcorn movies that are for some reason consistently over two hours 15 minutes somehow well, <laughs> i don't understand well going and off I think Bond too, like, going off of that this movie was almost three hours this movie was very well paced oh mm-hmm. as soon as i started i it was starting to, to lose me when he goes to Malin's house and meets his kid. But then there's that really cool SUV chase. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. right after, that. after the forest. But but that's yeah. what I mean. Like this movie is like it has it's like little low moments. But then you're right back in the action and everything picks up again. It's like I was never like, come on, let's go. Is it over well, honestly, yet? When that, when that part came, I was like, and like they got taken. I'm like, holy fuck, we're at the low point. Like <laughs> we're like almost done. <laughs> well, well, I remember because I saw this at Alma Draft. House and Elmo Draft House gives you your bill um, 40 minutes before a movie ends, roughly. And around that time, the last week is when the the bill came. I I was like, What the hell is this? (laughs) It's been two hours. No, yeah, I can believe that. that, that, that that, And again, like I was worried because of how long it was, and I'm just used to all these like these bloated franchise movies that are coming out now. And I'm like, Oh, I really hope this doesn't drag. And it's like, it felt like one of the fastest Bond films, which is always a, a franchise that generally feels very well paced. And it's like, wow, that, I was like, wow, it's been two hours. <laughs> it's two hours and 45 minutes. But hell, I wish it was longer. Yeah, I know. I was like, I would watch a three and a half hour cut of that. Well, that's Bond has always been very like deliberately paced too. like, you know, we're used to like this had a lot of action, but we used to like action, action, action. And it's all it has to be super big. Like Bond has like the all of the great ones have like those investigative bits that take a while to build up what's happening and that happens in this one with the cuba thing like he's you know after the open and after the credits you take a while to kind of build up and gather information and then you get a big scene and the big scenes that we get are big and they're good apart because because there's practical effects there's good direction there's not just cgi used to to replace actual filmmaking it's oh actual vehicles in the vehicle chase Well, I mean, just that sh- that uh, like helicopter shot of him driving the motorcycle through, I forget where they are in the beginning of the film, and he rides that thing up the edge. It was a great yeah. shot. Why is Bond's tux real and not CGI? <laughs> and then the other I always think about is the, the chase. Like we talked about leading into the forest, and there's that pullback shot with the helicopter in the cars, and I'm like, damn, that looks really good. <laughs> like, because yeah, Skyfall has, has that random horrible CGI helicopter, and then the real one at the end but i was just thinking about that i'm like oh that's actually real <laughs> i remember being skeptical about carrie fukunaga as director for this because he replaced danny boyle who's a much more proven name i'm like damn they picked the right freaking dude for this yes they did he knew what we wanted yep probably because that's probably what he wanted yeah i mean i mean 
They took their time. This movie had a bunch of writers that all, I think, really crafted it. I think most of the humor was Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I know that there was some concern with her. Oh, yeah, it's just, you know, internet speculation. They really, yeah, yeah exactly. they brought her in for for, for joke punch-up because, per, I mean, Purvis and Wade have been doing it for a while and they haven't had as many jokes in theirs generally, you know, because they started um, with the last two Brosnan ones and have done all the Craig ones and it's like, you know, they haven't had as many jokes and they kind of wanted some of that classic Bond humor, which he really brought, I think. Well, I, I think part of it is that Knives Out proved that Daniel Craig can... Knives Out and Logan Lucky proved that Daniel Craig can be funny. Yeah. Oh, dude, dude's actually a really dude actually has comedic timing. Anyone who's listening, if you want to see Daniel Craig in a very good comedic role, watch Logan Lucky. He is hilarious. He plays, he's so off type because we all think of him as like stern, cool, grumpy Daniel Craig. Instead, you get kind of Daniel Craig with a southern accent with kind of a lisp, and then freaking head Daniel Craig. Yeah, with I tons I've of tattoos. Oh, you gotta check it out. It's a lot of fun. I should. When I think of like Daniel Craig being like generic Daniel Craig, I think of Cowboys and Aliens. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, why is Daniel Craig in this? <laughs> but he, he he's a much better actor than some of the roles he, yeah, he's been given. Yeah. And I think this last movie, I think, proves that he has acting chops. There's one big part we touched on a little bit, but we but I think we need to go into a little bit more in depth before we stop. And that's the Billie Eilish main title theme. Because <laughs> that's an important part of a Bond movie, right, Alex? You, you know this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and especially, I, f- I feel like really a lot of times the best themes do tie to the best movies with a couple exceptions but that's like you're waiting for that intro credits and how you know how cool are the intro credits and and how's the song and how does it fit the movie mm-hmm. and see see i have a hot day when it comes to at least the craig bond songs because everyone got just over skyfall and it is a good song my favorite is probably you know my name by chris cornell that's a good one too i i yeah i actually agree like i mean skyfall is to me one of the best songs it's fantastic but like there's something about the Chris Cornell one and just like especially I mean that opening titles that might be my favorite title sequence with uh, like the uh, tie with the cards and and just like how it visually looks and that song and how it kind of like ushered in the new bond right I think that all fit so perfectly that that might be my favorite one well probably besides the Goldfinger song (laughs) that one's good too it's so energetic and and honestly I think Skyfall was bad for bond because I think it's the I think Skyfall is the reason why the next three songs or the next two songs after it were these slow depressing yeah. big really sad numbers I will say now, about uh, I, I will say about the writing on the wall one by I forget who sang it but Samson it, it yeah. did get uh, like it got quicker pace during it at times I, with Billy Eilish one was just kind of like slow the entire time I kind of felt but it was atmospheric, whereas I think writing on the wall was just bad. Oh yeah, I hate that one. I hate writing on the wall. <laughs> that like that and the Madonna one are the two. I, I think are the two worst Bond songs because if you have not heard "Die Another" the "Die Another Day" song, go listen and you'll see what I'm talking about. Nothing against Madonna, but that like that style of song in a Bond movie felt really weird. But I, I actually really like this one, especially like I liked it when it came out, but especially seeing it with the movie, I think it fits the movie perfectly and like i really like the song and and like i'm not a big fan of bobby eyelash but 
Um, just I, don't I, I don't like. I know. I just made a lot of a lot of people angry by saying that. <laughs> but I don't. I don't like, know. I kind of. I kind of like some of it. You know. I like some of it too. But like, I'm, I'm autistic, man. But I'm in the car, and someone is really close to a mic, whispering into it. I get anxious. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me upset. I don't like it. But in, but she can, she can actually sing when yeah. she wants to. And this song proves it. And and I think to me, like the big finale one needed needed a song like this. Um, I mean, if I had to rank the Craig one, just because those are the ones I've seen, I heard some songs from the other one. Um, Nobody does it better. It's pretty fucking amazing. But living the desert. But but the Craig ones. Number one, Chris Cornell. Number two is Skyfall. Three is No Time to Die. Four is the Quantum of Solace one. I don't remember what it's called, but I know it's Jack White. And the fifth one is Right Down the Wall. And Writing on the Wall be sixth? <laughs> sure. How could be sixth? Uh, Alex, would, does that compare to where yours is? Or? That, I think, would be my ranking as well. Oh, yeah, again, it's like the top three are like heavily weight because those are three of the best Bond songs, even though I do like Another Way to Die is the, the Quantum one. I do like that one, but I think it's not in the same tier as those. And then like Sam Smith is like eight tier, uh, tiers below that. <laughs> Fucking hate that song. <laughs> Justin, how about you? Um, probably. I like I haven't seen Quantum Solace in a while, so I have to rewatch it to see the I song again. The Quantum song's pretty forgettable. Like a lot of that movie, like I, a lot of that movie's forgettable. I remember it was on the other day and I was like, I watched a half hour of it and I don't even remember it. It all came back to me. Yeah, I, don't, I, I like it. I don't know. Like, I also I wasn't like really paying attention. The so the editing is garbage, you, though. Yeah. You, you Alex, though, are also like one of like, probably, you're probably the biggest Bond fan of all of us. Yeah. Oh, no question. I just watched all of them this year. <laughs> see, I need to buy that pack from Walmart because I want to see them all. There's so many. I mean, and I wouldn't say, you know, there's only one that I would say is like a bad movie, but it's not like aggressively bad. There are a few like weaker ones, but there, there's nothing that's just like utter unwatchable garbage. Well, we ran the closest the song. Is the oh, I was going to say, is it the, the one with uh, the Bond girl named Christmas? <laughs> Christmas. What? Which one is? It's, uh, uh, who was before Craig? Oh, Brosnan. Wait, I know what you're talking about. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I yep, thought that was. I thought Christmas only came once a year. Oh my Jesus. god, that's right. Okay, yeah. So the last Brosnan one, yeah, it got to like comical levels of like literally everyone is pulling like the outrageous innuendo lines, and it's like just. Duh. Like, like I said, that's the one that and tons of CG, and it got totally ridiculous. It's like, damn, this needed a reboot. I mean, there's a fucking ig- like giant igloo <laughs> as a base that gets melted by something that directs the rays of the sun by a guy who was Korean at the start of the movie and becomes the guy from Black Sails, the British guy through DNA reconstruction, and it's- <laughs> <laughs> this is what honestly. Everybody, by everybody, I mean people who go, remember the 90s. Um, everybody loves Brosnan. And Brosnan is a great Bond. His movies are the worst ones. Yeah, after the first one. With the exception, one. GoldenEye is excellent. Tomorrow Never Dies is actually a pretty solid movie. The next two are like bot- like bottom three. <laughs> like, they're bad. Or like, they're not good. I wouldn't say they're horrible, but okay, his last one was not good. <laughs> it's watchable, barely. Okay, we rank the songs. Now let's rank the Craig movies. Um... Copy. Which I, Copy. I mean, I, I think we'll list the Craig songs. 
pace pace list of of Craig movies. Honestly, Skyfall and Quant and uh, Skyfall and Casino is hard for me. Those are very close. Yeah, it's hard for you. I might. I honestly might put Casino above Skyfall. That's kind of where I'm at. Because like Skyfall is certainly like the like craftsmanship, like how it's made and directed and shot, is the best of any Bond movie. Yes, but I think the story of Casino, like both have a great story. Casino's story is just like that. And the, like the stunts are just a little bit better, it so like so I think that puts it up. And so smart, feels so smart watching it. Yeah, so I think that the aspect, the emotional core of the story, as good as the M stuff is, like everything with Vesper is so good, and just that intricate plot with Mads Mikkelsen and the banking and the the poker game, and like that just puts it that little bit over the top. So that's my number one. Okay, so I'm at Casino, Alex at Casino, Justin, are you at Casino, or where are you at? Yes. Okay, so two Skyfall. Yep. But literally those two would like pick a day and I could go the other way around. Yes. No time to die. Yep. I agree. I guess this is where I get, this is where I get conflicted. Yeah. Mine is easy. Mine is easy. Like, cause again, I've been defending quantum here. Mine is easily quantum. I would probably go quantum as well. Just because like we talked about earlier, inspector, it seems like no one really wants to be there. Mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, like comparing those two, like in quantum specter feels more threatening than they do inspector and like that they kind of feel a bit more ominous and powerful and like there's some interesting things they do with that and i think the action like and there's some shit editing but there like there are a few quality like fight scenes in quantum because yeah, well, quantum also has like the opera house scene that's cool as hell yeah i really like yeah. that like that's that's just a really good sequence. The the end of Quantum is kind of anticlimactic, and you're kind of like, well, that that's it. I think that's I probably that, that, that's probably where, between the bad editing and the ending. I think that's kind of where Quantum just kind of you forget about it. Because Casino Royale has has the poker game, and then you have the final sequence with where they're in the, the sneaking building. That's a really good action set piece. In oh, Skyfall, yeah. you got the battle at basically the Home Alone battle, yeah, which is really good. And Quant and Quantum is like, well, we had water built. We had a building being flooded in the last movie. So now let's do fire. I think honestly, my problem with it is nowhere. Yeah, my problem with it is more like I think Act Two just kind of ends, and then you get to the climax, and you're like, oh, we're at the end. Because I think Act Two of Quantum has a lot of really good plotting and stuff, but then like Act Three just kind of happens, and then yeah, it's in this building in the middle of nowhere. It's like, okay, we're we're this is it. We're here. Did you run out of money? What happened? Rider strike. (laughs) (laughs) You you drove the villain to the middle of the desert to have him drink gasoline and die? What? <laughs> but I honestly, Spectre, if I rewatch it and stuff, it might go up just because of no time to die. Because Spectre, when I saw it, was like, this feels pointless. Why does this exist? Why did they make this? Yeah. For why, me, there's why, just why some really Nothing's stuff concluded. Like, why does he put uh, Madeline in the basement of MI6 and write stuff on the wall like he's Joker? <laughs> and why why does Bond so easily get away from his desert lair and just blow it up? Like, he literally just goes to the home base of Spectre and walks out. <laughs> like, he had more trouble in Quantum getting out of his, his own MI6 base because they had, like, that double agent there than he did walking out of the main base of Spectre. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I, I did have problems with that movie, but I don't, I don't think it's a bad, bad movie. It's just oh, no, it, very, it, it's like eh. <laughs> I, I do think that the poster and DVD cover are now hilarious in context because the cover is that super subdual of Bond. And then there's the dude in the skull mask like behind Bond. That's the villain, right? His new poster is <laughs> the villain. But it's Bond. <laughs> That dude is Bond. Yeah. It doesn't make any <laughs> I sense. never thought of it that way. Fuck. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it's freaking hilarious because, because it doesn't like make any sense. Music videos where like you have the person and then you have their face facing the opposite way, like faded in the background. <laughs> Bond and Bond singing a duet. Yeah, yeah like, like they need some love songs. <laughs> Although, let's, let's be real here. The best James Bond thing of all time is Snake Eater. <laughs> I know Five. Snake Eater is, re- is, is really just like Goldfinger. Hush. Hideo Kojima is... Hideo Kojima, Kojima was probably pissed watching, watching fucking the time of day going, Nano Machines, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> the I you off, you can't rip me off back. <laughs> you all dunked on me for doing this in Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> You called me a madman, <laughs> which is still true. <laughs> he 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 he's gone long past madman. Yeah, I don't even know what to call him anymore. <sighs> Besides, washed. <laughs> <laughs> but he's such a nice come at guy. me you want to you, you want to counter me make another g- good game for once <laughs> that actually you, fucking makes sense if you actually make silent hills all will be forgiven okay now metal gear solid 5 but i'll forgive you for everything else that just can't be forgiven uh i'm, I'm pretty sure death stranding is what can't be forgiven <laughs> play a game where you just have, you're just a freaking uber driver basically <laughs> just carrying shit from one of the map to 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 to, to the other fedex delivery man <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand what the point of that game is i really don't i'm pretty sure that he doesn't either why you norman Reedus? why is mads mickelson in this why is guillermo del toro in this <laughs> but i mean i games. Bond games are pretty sweet too. Everyone talks like, about how great Goldeneye is, which is true. But some of those other ones. I think I had uh, the Nightfire one. Nightfire is a good one. If you play, did either of you play Everything or Nothing? No. no. Okay, that's literally like I just count that. That's the second best Brosnan Bond movie. <laughs> it's just a video game because that is an excellent game with a, with a good story. You could do the Nightfire one too. That's Brosnan too, I think. Yep. Which is funny. Wasn't yeah, Brosnan era had amazing games. Wasn't there a game where you played as the man who killed Bond and Sean Connery's in it? Oh yeah, that's the the rogue agent one. It's okay. <laughs> you know, you don't sound super. No, I mean, it had, it had some stuff that was okay. It's like, it's. I don't know why it's called a Bond game. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it's just like, oh, you kill Bond at the beginning, and then it's just a random shooter. <laughs> I also, one I did play was Blood Money, which if you haven't played that one, it's not bad, but it's kind of from the era of weird gener- of weird 2000, late 2000s PS3 license games. Yeah, actually, I did play that one. I never finished it. Like, it, it was or like... Bloodstone. Bloodstone. I think it was Blood... Yeah, I think it was... Bloodstone. It's Bloodstone. I said Blood Money. It's Bloodstone. Um, um, yeah, it was just kind of missing something, like, felt a little unfinished. Yeah, I- I, I remember gunplay being kind of wonky. Yeah, it's really just they tried like, to do what? some of the third-person cover shooting from Everything or Nothing, but it felt more like awkward. 
it felt me it felt to me like they're trying to almost do Uncharted a little bit. Yeah. But Uncharted's gunplay isn't even that great to begin with. I was gonna say it's, that, no, it's not why you play that game. <laughs> oh I forgot to tell you who the villain of everything or nothing is. It's Willem Dafoe. It's fucking Willem Dafoe. Yeah. But like the the Brosnan Bond games, they went all out for it, and it was kind of weird. Yeah, because Goldeneye is like literally one of the greatest games ever made, period. <laughs> which is crazy. Like it's better than the movie, which is a really good movie. But yeah, they basically made like full like Bond movie level games multiple times with Brosnan. I would love a new James Bond game. They're making. Yeah, the, the, are they? That's right. Yeah, I you, forgot about that. Ooh, I have my own game. Ooh, because that's one of the big controversies right now is that they might be bought by Microsoft. So it might not happen, or no, it might be exclusive, or it's the test. I've heard by, people say controversy. Controversial? You mean Sony people are mad? <laughs> Well, from what I've heard, it might be the test for the sale. Depending on how it sells, they might that that might determine. There's something yeah. where there's a game coming out that they're making that will determine whether or not. Because they're yeah, they're independent. They went independent, right? Because they yep. they broke up from. Uh, it was Square. E- was it Square Enix? Yeah, it was Square. No, it was, okay. No, it was Square Enix. Yeah, because they originally it was IDOS, and then IDOS got sold to Square Enix, and then they went under, right? Or like they just bought Hitman from them. Yeah. And then, and then they just left. Yeah, because November 2020, the company announced Project 007, Real James Bond video game. Um, which, which, if any company should do a Bond game, it's them. Yeah, like the disguise, like the disguise thing. I could, you know, I mean, obviously it would be different than Hitman's, but just like that, like detection information gathering is very James Bond. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is a game where it's not going to be like your normal James Bond games. We 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 go into a room and go bang 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 bang. bang. It's going to be, I think, a lot more like the spy angle. Oh. Yeah, and then building up to later, bang 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 bang. Oh, <laughs> imagine you using gap. Like you using gadgets is probably gonna be a big thing too. Oh, that'd be so cool. I wonder like, if they're gonna base it on any bond particular, or they're just gonna create their own bond. I think they're gonna go original. I think too. I hope so. And I, I let them. Yeah. Unless yeah, unless they somehow like, well, the game's probably too far along. I bet it's an original because it's like whoever the next one is would not be ready by then. No, because I'm yeah, sure they don't they, even know who that's gonna be yet. I don't. Mean, my I actually I believe whoever the next bond is is probably already cast. Um, yeah, at least well, that, that, that that's that's my opinion. Unless they're gonna let this franchise rest for a few years. Which which I don't think they'll do. No, because actually, well, there have been such big gaps. Like traditionally, you know, there was this big gap here and there was like, what was it? Four years between Quantum and Skyfall. But usually there's a bond every like three years mm-hmm. traditionally. So this was a long gap. I mean, you know, five years became six years with this one. So they really want to get them out there more often again, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know who they're going to go with. Like, 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 I truly have no idea. It just Alba said no. I think Henry Golding's a really good guess. I could see it. Well, this is just because he's big. Like, I wonder if they'll go like someone smaller, like Craig was, or like if they go for like Tom Hardy. <laughs> I think and I think Hardy's just out. too old. I yeah. think they're gonna want. Yeah, younger. I think so too. Because uh, you want to get more movies. Yeah. How old is Henry Cavill? Mid thirties, probably probably late thirties by now. I heard people Close say they want it. him. Yeah, he's thirty-eight. He already. He did Man from Uncle. Yeah, it was and Mission Impossible. Yeah, like pick like someone Richard Madden. I've I've seen his name come up a few times. Who's? Yeah, someone like that. Richard Madden. He was in Game of Thrones as uh, Rob Stark, and he was in that show Bodyguard. He's in the Eternals. Oh yeah, and that. 
Um, he's not remember the name of it because it looks like the most generic MCU movie trailer I've seen. I remember, I remember after Spectre, people, the, the, the front man for the betting polls after Spectre was Damian Lewis, and I thought that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, he was too. He, I mean, he's like, isn't he older than Daniel Craig? He, he might be. He actually might be. Yeah, I mean, now he's fifty, so maybe not, but close. I mean, they're very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think that is going to happen. Um, I don't know who I think. I think I think they're definitely gonna go younger. Um, even I wish your Madden might even be too old. Like like I think they're gonna pick someone relatively unknown who's probably who might even be under thirty. Yeah, I was looking up people under <laughs> people actors under thirty. And, yeah, and I think Craig Craig was like early thirties when he was cast. Yeah. And maybe they'll go with someone who's not a white guy. Um, I don't I don't think that it's a guarantee. I don't think they'll cast a woman. No. No. They, 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 yeah, they've said it's going to be James Bond, so... Ooh, I just Sorry, came up with an Anderson. interesting choice. I don't think he'd be... I mean, he's... I don't know. Maybe he's too big. Nicholas Holt? I have heard his name thrown around. I think around Spectre, I saw his name get thrown around. I don't, I don't think he'd be bad, and he... Like, I think he might actually be, be decent in, in that role. Yeah, that could work. I just don't know if he's too big. He'll, he'd do Bond. Well, I know, but I mean, just for if they were going to go for an unknown or not. Yeah, because I think, I honestly think about it, like, how unknown. often... Yeah, because, I mean, Craig was, like, kind of up and coming, but relatively unknown. Brosnan was... Well, the funny... Brosnan was only big because they didn't get him when they first wanted him. Because they wanted him when they got Dalton. But he was doing that TV show, which ended up making him famous, Brosnan. And, but then before that, like, you know, Roger Moore was, like, a TV actor and Sean Connery. That's what made Connery big. Mm-hmm. Connery so, became, like, massive, but, you know. So so they'll probably pick someone who who, who probably never heard of. If we want to know who the next Bond is, we, we, we probably have to go and scan for British TV stars. Yeah. Yeah, like, British TV or independent film. And then it'll be a lot, then all the fans will be like, who the fuck is this? I wanted Tom Hiddleston. And then they'll throw a fit. <laughs> and then the movie will come out, and he'll be really good because not a single person has done a bad job as James Bond that they've cast, and then they'll be, then then everyone will calm down. <laughs> but you're right, this can be a technical outrage, though. It happens every time. With not just Bond, Batman. Batman happens every yeah. fucking time. Who Nicholas Holt was up for that one too? The Christian Bill can't be Batman. Robert Pattinson can't be Batman. The only time that that actually worked was Jared Little as Joker. <laughs> Fans were mad and he sucked. <laughs> and they were, they were, they were right. See, but I'm always gonna give until I see the movie. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. Everyone got yeah, burned. He Fledger as Joker, thinking it was gonna be garbage, and he delivered one of the greatest performances of all time. And like there are exceptions, but like I mean, these people are professionals at casting, <laughs> right? Like you know, and especially for these big roles that are like the companies take these movies very seriously. You know, they're gonna take, take who plays Bond very seriously. They want. Your, they want their movie to make money. That's how they make money. <laughs> Sometimes they get it wrong, but give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, since we're kind of out, running out of time here, let's just do final scores on No Time to Die. Final class, final scores. Alex, you kick us off. You're the Bond expert. You, you watched all the movies. What is your verdict? I think, you know, it's one of those that it does get better the more I think about it, but I was initially at four out of five, and that's still where I am. 
<laughs> Although there's really, I mean, there's only, I'd say three, four at most of the Bond films. I would give like four and a half. Um, there's a number of them at, at, I would have at four, but this is, you know, and that upper tier of like the, the great Bond films. Um, and it gets better the more I think about it. But I, I think four out of five is like a solid landing spot. Justin, how about you? Good, because that's about where I put it. I couldn't quite get to four and a half. And I was like, but it, it was kind of funny because I was like, it's not four and a half, but I think it's a little better than four. I'm like, we need like a four and a quarter. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I feel too. That's how I feel too. It's excellent film. Yeah, yeah. I'm at four. I want to go four and a half, but the villain stuff is just. It brings it down a little bit. It's yeah, too. It's it's too bad. Like like I can't just ignore it. Yeah. Like you know, I feel like Mads like Mads Mikkelsen or Javier Bardem's character are in this movie instead. That's four and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. But but unfortunately, but I'm at four. It's still good. I think it's still a must watch in a theater. Yes. That, we'll see on the biggest screen you possibly can. That last shot of him staring up at the rockets coming at him. Great, beautiful shot. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a theater, you know, scene. Well, I, I saw that in Dolby Atmos' big show, I and so the seats rumbled. Oh, I bet that was great. That was that, that was a eyes roll back of your head. Oh, my God, this is why we go to the movies moment. This is why I come to the theater. Basically. So yeah, I think people should go see it. Um, it's it's I'm not I'm not I'm not even a big Bond guy. I'm like that was fun. I want to see more more Bond films now because of it. You know me, I'll highly recommend. <laughs> <laughs> and considering that you haven't really said that any of them of them are bad, which surprises me with you. No, there I are some that true. are like I would say there are a couple, and by a couple I really only mean like three or four other ones of the twenty five that are like Spectre level. I was gonna say there's like maybe what five at most that are really bad. Yeah. And other than that, like they're all varying levels of good. Like some are pretty good, some are great. And, that, and that's pretty good for a franchise that's been as long as Bond. Anyway, we're out of time. Thanks everyone so much for listening. If you think we're wrong or want to talk with us, um, reach out to us on YouTube with the comments. Go to our Facebook page. Um, go to our Letterboxd profiles. They are in our social media. Uh, we have reviews of this movie. Comment on our stuff. We'd love to hear what you think of our of our uh, of our thoughts. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. For Alex and Justin, I'm David Yanish. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Idiot Block. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to get a notification every time we drop a new episode. Also, follow us on Facebook and Letterboxd. The links are in the description.